Hey, well, it's another Living Room Sunday and I hope you're enjoying it so far. Uh, we recognise this is very bizarre and I've had a few conversations with people recently who are just saying how much they're struggling with not being in the same room. And uh, I feel that pain. And actually, that's, I think that's good. It's not supposed to be like this. We're supposed to yearn to be back together again. And uh, I can't wait till that day. But hey, well done in persevering for keeping on tuning in when it feels so bizarre. And uh, I've heard all sorts of stories as well, particularly off the back of Lucy's uh, brilliant preach last week, uh, encouraging us to be the family of God and the, the body of the church, uh, where people have been going to help one another in need and uh, lifting the phone, praying with one another. We've had loads of people on our Zoom prayer meetings every uh, morning, midweek morning, Monday to Friday. It's been really encouraging as well. And uh, it just encourages us, keep going. It will be over soon. How soon, we don't know, but it will be over at some point. And uh, we will get to be together again, worshiping Jesus in the same room. Uh, today, we begin a new series called Life to Live. It's gonna take us through the book of Ephesians, this uh, magnificent letter written by Paul from his prison cell in Rome uh, to the church in Ephesus. And uh, we're going to be going through that all the way till the end of November. Now, the reason for that is because there is so much depth to this letter that can really help us. And I really don't want us to skip it. Uh, don't wanna be kind of skimming over big sections, but to really dig down deep into the text and, and teach into it. And uh, yeah, really enjoy what God has to give us through his word. So we're gonna be doing that. We'll have a few breaks in between. We'll have a little series on prayer in July. We're gonna have a little series on leadership, two week series on that at some point as well. And we'll have a couple of guest preachers coming along too. So uh, lots to look forward to in that sense. And actually what we're gonna to do today is we're gonna begin in Acts 19. We uh, aren't gonna begin in Ephesians 1. And the reason for that is because Acts 19 actually tells the story of how the church in Ephesus was birthed when Paul came from Corinth on his own, no believers in the city at all. And uh, in a, a very short space of time, he takes 12 people who he encounters and who fall in love with Jesus, meet Jesus, encounter Jesus, are baptized in the name of Jesus, are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and then they're used to turn this city, Ephesus, upside down, this city that looked impenetrable when he must have, uh, must have looked that way when he arrived uh, from Corinth that day. So that's where we're going to begin now. So before we do, let me just pray, and I'm going to be particularly praying that the many people out there right now who are seeking for something more to life than what they've had before, as lockdown kind of forces us to ask those questions, we're going to be praying that, that God finds, uses those people um, in the same way that, that he did with these 12 in Ephesus, and that actually Glasgow would be a place that is turned upside down in the name of Jesus. So let's pray. God, thank you that you are in the business of meeting with ordinary people and using them to do extraordinary things. And so God, I pray now by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would be preparing hearts to hear the message of Jesus and 
be people who are going to turn this city upside down, who we'll have the privilege of partnering with as we pursue you, God, above all things and uh, pursue the good of this city. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 19, and we're going to begin in verse 1. I'm just going to read the first seven verses. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Well, Ephesus was a, a mostly independent and democratic city. It kind of won a, a kind of devolved government, if you like. Uh, it had its, its own wee Nicola, and uh, it could make a lot of its own decisions, even though it was in, within the Roman Empire at the time. And it was most famous for its impressive Temple of Diana. And actually thousands of people regularly flocked to the city, spent lots of money because of this temple. It was a kind of religious tourism going on. And actually without the temple, Ephesus wouldn't have been Ephesus. It would be a bit like saying St Andrews without the golf, or Edinburgh without the castle, or, or Pisa without the Leaning Tower. It really depended on it. But it was a powerful city, and a big reason that it was powerful was because so many people came to the Temple of Diana to worship primarily Artemis, this goddess who uh, they believed uh, they could get power from. And now some of you might be thinking that I shouldn't have said that there were no believers in Ephesus when Paul first arrived. Because when we read the text there, you saw that it says disciples. Come on, Ian, there were Christians there at our church. How could you say that? How could you deny that? That's so obvious. But actually, when we carefully read the text, I think it shows us that the most likely scenario here is that these were believers in the teachings of John the Baptist, having not heard about Jesus. So that's why I think at first Paul is trying to work out, are these 12 people who are God-seeking people, are, are they Christians? Do they know Jesus? Are they followers of, what they, of the way, as it was called, the church at the time? And he asks, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Now that could seem like a really bizarre question to ask today. I think if you ask that question today, we would assume that you're trying to work out what kind of Christian they are. So, so why would Paul ask it here? Well, it seems to me that he assumes that anyone who knows and loves Jesus is walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. They've, they've received the Spirit's power. It's, it's not what kind of follower are you, it's are you following in the ways of Jesus? Because if you are, you'll be a Spirit-filled believer. Now, when they say no, he asks the second question. He says, into what then were you baptised? And now here comes Paul's 
aha kind of moment. You can, oh, right, I recognize who you are and I know who you are. And they said, into John's baptism. They had believed John the Baptist's message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But John's message didn't go any further than that. It was a kind of, Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming, the Savior is coming, the kingdom of God is about to explode. It's about to really expand and, and advance across this land. You're going to be able to encounter God. There's a new spiritual realm. There's a new uh, moment um, coming here that is super significant. So Paul explains, no, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, has already come and he's already brought this kingdom of God. It's good news. He says, verse 4, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. So as soon as they believe, they're baptized in the baptism of Jesus. Now, they would have been baptized in John and in and, and John's teaching. I don't know if it was John himself, but by John's teaching. And that baptism was symbolic of sins being washed away because a time was coming when the kingdom of God would break out and they would be able to have their sins forgiven and, and be cleansed and purified. But now, now that they're baptized in Jesus, they are celebrating that in the moment that they give their life to Jesus, they actually did have their sins removed. They did have all that was keeping them from God removed from them. And so when they go down into the water, the symbolism now is not just purification in the future. It's you actually died to your old life because Jesus died on your behalf. Jesus died in your place. And so when you go down into the water, it's like you go down into the grave with Jesus. And then when you come back out, you're raised with Jesus. And, and the symbolism now is not what's coming in the future. It's what's already happened when they believed. And that is that they get given this new life in Jesus. You see that? So in John, it was, it was a kind of a hope that, that someone like Jesus would come. But the baptism of Jesus, is, is, and that's the baptism we practice, is no, no, you die to your old life with Christ. He has completely washed away all your sin, all of it gone. You're raised to a new life and you're hidden with Christ. That is a better baptism. Now, Paul finds, seeks out people who are hungry for God. And actually, that is a kingdom pattern. As the church grew and expanded uh, across uh, Asia Minor and beyond in the first century, it was clear that in villages, towns and cities where church planters like Paul would go, they would look for the, the God-fearing people, the people who were looking and seeking for God. People hungry for God. They would listen to God and, and, and go where God is already at work. And as we look across Glasgow in the middle of lockdown, there's a lot of spiritual hunger. Recent re research you might have seen suggests that almost half of the UK population is praying right now. And a quarter of UK adults say that they have watched a meeting like this one online. There are seekers googling how to find peace, contentment, purpose, 
God. But like Paul, we mustn't just sit back and think, hmm, we should be putting on meetings, really good meetings for people to come along to when lockdown comes out, uh, you know, when, when lockdown's finished. Uh, yeah, that's what we should do. And we should just wait and see what, see what God does. Yeah, no, 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 like God is doing the work, but we are called to go and meet people where they're at and be in the places that God is already at work. To be in the places that we might find intimidating and difficult, but in faith, like Paul goes to this great and powerful city of Ephesus where they worshiped everything, it seems, apart from God, where it, it seemed like it was an impenetrable force and there'd be no way of him going along and, and persuading them all to suddenly follow after Jesus, but he goes in faith. And he goes and he finds the people who are pursuing something more, who are spiritually hungry, and then God uses those people to turn the whole city upside down. But let's be honest, that for us can, can just seem so intimidating. It can seem like an impossible task to us. I find it difficult enough just to talk to my friend, Ian. How are you going to expect me to be a city changer? So how do we do that? Verse 6 shows us, doesn't it? When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. Spirit-filled people overcome idols and spiritual strongholds in a city. Not just in biblical times, but from the moment the church was born. In Scotland, when the church was born here, Columba Aden and other Celtic monks were told that they were absolutely mad for coming to Scotland because there are uncivilised people who are incapable of Christian ways, these barbarians. Scotland's always been written off, isn't it? But God's done remarkable things in this land time and time again. And it is when we are written off that God often tends to come and move in power. Back then, God had other ideas, and with great power, they told people, these, these monks who came with their teams um, of people who came to pray for this land and tell people about Jesus, and they performed miracles, and they proved that the pagan practices were powerless. It's even more powerful in Ireland, where the, um, the missionaries uh, were, were facing off with the Druids' uh, gods and, and proving that they were powerless compared to God. It was a spirit-filled, spirit-empowered challenge that was laid down in faith that really saw the breakthrough as people were at the same time telling uh, them about Jesus telling them the good news about what he's done. Paul goes uh, then back to the first assumption, doesn't he? That people who follow Jesus have received the Holy Spirit and he lays hands on them and prays for them and the Holy Spirit falls on them. 
And that, that had actually been Paul's experience too. So Paul believed and was dramatically changed on the road to Damascus. And that moment, isn't, there's no doubt, he, he was transformed. But it wasn't until God led Ananias to him, Ananias calls him brother, and then Ananias prays for him, his sight is restored, and he is filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul had this kind of second experience of being filled with the Spirit. And that, that was the experience of the followers in, of Jesus in Samaria as well. Philip preaches the good news about Jesus and the kingdom of God that's at hand. And then the, the apostles hear that they've not been filled with the Spirit. And so what do they do? Well, they, they quickly realize that they need to send Peter and John down to pray for them in Samaria, and then they're filled with the Spirit. Now, in one sense, all of us who have committed to following after Jesus, who call themselves Christians, are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't believe without the work of the Holy Spirit. It is him who convicts us of our sin or shows us our need for God. It is him who transforms our hearts. It is the Holy Spirit who does that work. It's the Holy Spirit who, who comes and, and, and renews us by the Spirit, revealing to us the truth. It is he who comes and does that work. We cannot be Christians without the Holy Spirit entering into us. But there is another kind of infilling or receiving of the Spirit that the Bible talks about as well. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen that we should ask because our Father loves to give us good gifts. And when he says that he wants to give us good gifts, he's actually talking about the Holy Spirit. God wants to give you this most wonderful gift. Don't let your cynicism about a particular expression or style of church get in the way, stand in the way of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no need to be fearful. This is simply your heavenly Father who wants to give you a good gift. Some of you will be sitting at home right now and actually you might, you might be sweating about whether you have or haven't. Have I been filled with the Spirit? I've been a Christian for years. Have I been filled with the Spirit? I don't know if I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, if that's you, I think that's, uh, this is really important for you to hear. It is not about a particular moment or expectation of how that might look. The important thing here is that we realize and pursue our need for the continual filling of the Holy Spirit. That's the important thing here. Later in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, we're going to see that. We're going to see that we are actually commanded to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see of the disciples in Acts. They received the Spirit more than once. There's multiple accounts, same people being filled with the Spirit. So although there is a kind of, there's clearly a, a really important kind of first filling of the Spirit, it's also an ongoing pursuit. So we don't need to start sweating about whether we've been through it or not. We simply just need to keep asking for more of the Spirit. Simply ask, even if you may not have received the Spirit's empowering before. Paul says to the Galatians chapter 5, 
that we are to walk in the Spirit. We are to have a relationship with him, talk with him, be led by him. If we want to see this city transformed, we need to walk with the Spirit, to to hear the voice of God, to be able to, to walk in his power and to know where it is that he's at work and and go to those places and and speak words of power by the spirit into their lives and 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 hopefully see miracles healings and all kinds of signs and wonders as they accompany this good news about jesus so how do we do that well normally what i'd I'd encourage you to do right now is simply to ask god um, by the laying on of hands uh, for people around you who would want to be filled with the Spirit. We might even have an area where people go and be prayed for and we lay hands like Paul did on these, these 12 uh, new believers. But, of course, that's not possible. So what I would encourage you to do is, if that is you, you just, you just think, oh man, I really I need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if I've ever been filled with the Spirit before. Wherever you're at, um, but you recognise there's, there's a dryness, there's a, there's a sense of a, a need of more power, and I think that would be most of us. Well then, can I encourage you to, to get on Zoom with someone or get on the phone with someone and ask them to pray for you. And uh, we believe that by the power of, of God, you can receive the Spirit today. God wants to give you this good gift. He is your heavenly father with good gifts this isn't complicated it is purely ask and receive so paul assumes that the spirit empowered living the spirit empowered living is the normal way of life for a christian and it's why these 12 converts are used by god to turn this city upside down so if we want to be city changers if we want to be part of a a powerful move of god in glasgow we simply need to do this If we haven't done so already, give our lives to Jesus. Pray, Lord Jesus, I want to follow you with all of my heart. I lay down my life and I say, I'm yours. And then, as quickly as possible after that prayer, Lord, would you fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit to be more like you? so that I could be used to bring great change and uh, that you would use me in power in all the things that you've got for me in this city. By the end of chapter 19, many Jews and Greeks have turned to Jesus. The Jews saw that only Jesus truly had power over the demonic. And Greeks realized that Artemis and the other gods were man-made and stopped coming to spend money at the temple. Now that was a big deal. That meant that the businesses were suffering. And so this silversmith we see later on in this chapter, Demetrius, who was selling miniature Artemis idols, thinks, right, something needs to be done here about these pesky Christians, they're ruining my business. And so he gets all the silversmiths together, a bit like a trade unionist leader and, and other businesses that are affected and he basically starts a mass demonstration and it turns into a a pretty raucous violent riot and that verse 29 says the whole of the city was in uproar 
So they grab hold of a couple of the church leaders that they recognize and they drag them before the crowds. Can you imagine that? It'd be like a church being planted in Mecca in Saudi Arabia and so many people had come to know Jesus and to follow after him there and across Saudi and the Middle East that people stopped coming on pilgrimage because they rejected Muhammad's teaching now and they worshiped Jesus. Let's pray for that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Suddenly, Ephesus changes because people are consumed with something much better than the impressive pieces of architecture and a thriving economy. They're something much better than the false gods. It threatens their whole identity. It threatens their idols. And an idol like Artemis or even a false god like Allah might seem like something you would never be interested in. But the truth is that we all look to find our meaning and identity around something. And if it's not God, then the Bible would describe it as an idol. We say that we are idolaters. A kind of, we've kind of made our own self-made gods. In Glasgow, I think there are many self-made gods, but here are just three that I think most of us can recognize. Before lockdown, Glasgow's three favorite pastimes were breaking records every Saturday. Each week, Glasgow would have more shoppers than any other city in the whole of the UK except London, all while thousands turn up to Ibrox and Parkhead every week in numbers that are unrivaled in other cities around Europe and beyond. And uh, then many would cram into pubs to watch the football. And of course, most Saturday nights, are spent with a boozy night in or out, which helps give us, of course, one of the highest rates of liver disease in Western Europe. That's the, the weekly rhythm. And the yearly one, our savior from the monotony of working for the weekend, is our holiday. On average, we spend a quarter of our incomes on holidays. Lockdown, has meant that the things that have given many Glaswegians their meaning and identity are now under threat. We are living through a time where the gods made by human hands that are no gods at all, as Paul describes it here, are showing signs of decay. It's helping people to see that there must be more to life than shopping, football, boozy nights out and two weeks in the Costa del Sol. And it seems that there are far more than just 12 people seeking God in Glasgow today. Maybe thousands. Paul writes his letter to the Ephesians a few years, years later and so we might expect him to give some rousing teaching on what they should do next. But in many ways, it's more of the same. Just keep trusting this message about Jesus that you first heard and continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit and his power. It's a be who you are or live the life you have received. That's why we're calling this series Life to Live. God has given us this life. Now we need to live it out. It's not fancy. It's not new but it is far more rich than any other message you will ever hear. 
And that's what Glasgow needs today. We need the, the message of Jesus, the gospel, the good news, that he's come, that he's died in our place and he's risen again and we can have a new life in him. And that then he pours out his Holy Spirit on us and uses us in power to proclaim, to, to share the good news of Jesus and to see the power of God move in the city and topple whatever powers, whatever uh, things are holding us captive in the city. It is the gospel, the greatest news ever told that will change Glasgow. And we need to see it come in power. Some of you are watching today and you're like one of those 12 seekers and we're so glad that you are. So let me be clear. Jesus is better than anything that this world can offer you. He is your satisfaction. He loves you. He died for you. He rose again and he offers you a new life and everlasting, eternal, glorious life. And you can be filled with the power of God as the Holy Spirit continually fills you today. I would encourage you to keep tuning in to hear this fleshed out, this glorious letter to a church in Ephesus that has more relevance today for Glasgow as anything else out there. For those of us who know Jesus, it's time to take the opportunities we have and to go by the power of the Holy Spirit to the many out there who are hungry for more. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are with us, that you have saved us, that you have poured out your Holy Spirit. I pray now that people would be receiving, even now, just listening to this message, that they, and as they listen to the worship, uh, that they would have your Spirit poured out on them, that you would empower them. And if, those who, if there are those out there who are watching and don't know yet you yet, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to them in great power right now? Would they be giving their lives to you? We need you, God, in every way. Like Paul, coming to a, a great city that looks impenetrable, sometimes it can feel like that to us, but we know that the power of the Holy Spirit is of more power than anything else in this city, and so we proclaim it now. We declare it now. You, Jesus, are Lord, and the power of your Spirit will overcome. Use us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.